Engaging presentations on the most urgent problem of our day and what you can do about it. Now, the End Abortion Podcast by Priests for Life. Hello, friends. Pro-Life leader Frank Pavone here, National Director of Priests for Life. Happy Sunday morning. Happy Lord's Day. And welcome to our time of prayer and scripture Together, we're live today on this Sunday, the 9th of July, 2023, and we want to pray for you. Of course, as always, you can leave your prayer intentions in the comments. I can see those comments here. And uh, let us know how uh, we can pray for you very specifically today. Our Priest for Life team prays for you each day. Our, that includes our priests remembering you at Mass and our staff and pastoral team remembering you in their uh, daily prayers. We've got some, uh, as always, uh, powerful uh, words from the Lord today that we're going to delve into. We're going to intercede for the church and for the world and uh, for you. And we're going to recommit ourselves to the defense of life because every page of Scripture without, uh, that's not an exaggeration, every page of Scripture reinforces our commitment to defend the unborn from the violence that abortion is. And, um, you know, I don't know how many of you, you could tell me in the comments, have seen the um, Sound of Freedom uh, movie. Uh, Eduardo Verastegui has been a friend of mine for decades, and he's teaming up with uh, various others to, I uh, was with him just recently discussing the, the, the film, he teamed up with various others to expose this horror of child trafficking. And isn't it just another... Uh, manifestation of the culture of death, that in a culture where we can literally tear children limb from limb while they are still alive in the womb, uh, it should not surprise us that, uh, that our conscience is darkened as a, as a culture and uh, it allows uh, the trafficking of children, the horrible treatment that they uh, receive. Uh, it's a double challenge, however, if, uh, and there are many who are responding much more vigorously to the evil of child trafficking than they respond to the evil of abortion. And that's always what weighs on me. It's like, why do the unborn continue to be the most discriminated against and the most forgotten? It's not a matter of either or. It's a matter of fighting both evils and, and all the evils. And it's a matter of seeing the connection between the evils. And, and we're talking about how we're treating children. And we're also talking about realizing nothing is taking more life than abortion, and abortion is actually killing the children, tearing off their heads, tearing off their arms and legs, uh, and um, it wouldn't be an abortion, in other words, if it didn't result in the death of these uh, children. As some of you are pointing out, we also uh, are going to continue praying for uh, Ohio. We're very involved in the effort there to get the citizens to increase the threshold for the amending of their constitution. Right now, it's only 50% plus one in order to change the constitution, but that's too low of a threshold uh, because constitution is the basis of law. Uh, you, you, I mean, even laws, depending on the the, the, the rules in the Legislative Assembly in the United States uh, Congress, for example, you can't get a law passed uh, it, it, through the Congress unless uh, you've got 60 votes in the Senate because uh, the opposition party can filibuster. And, you know, that's not unreasonable. You want to have a, a certain um, high bar of consensus 
uh, among the people who are going to be affected by these laws before you uh, change them. Otherwise, you risk uh, going back and forth like a seesaw. I mean, we go back and forth anyway, but if the threshold is too low, you know, people are going back and forth between one policy and then the reversal of that policy and back to the same policy. And at any given time, you have half of the, uh, of the, of the country or, or the people of the state, as the case may be, outraged at what the policy is. The, it, it, the higher thresholds encourage higher consensus and the efforts to build that consensus through persuasion. And that's one of the big benefits we have now with... Uh, Roe v. Wade being, being taken away is that the other side, uh, I mean, we're, we've always done it, but the other side has to make their case as to why their position is the better one. Why should it be better to allow all these children to be killed? Okay, let's get into prayer and the scriptures. Let's bring ourselves into the presence of the Lord and of His Spirit. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Father, send us the Holy Spirit, who wrote this word that we are about to read, who is the inspiration behind all of Scripture. Send us your Holy Spirit, who raised Christ from the dead as we again celebrate on this Sunday morning. Send us the Holy Spirit, who convicts us of sin, sheds light in the deepest recesses of our hearts and helps us understand where we have aborted your will in one or another way, Lord God. As he shows us our sin, let him also bring us the consolation of the forgiveness of sin as we repent. We repent yet again. We repent yet more deeply. We repent even with greater confidence that as you give us your forgiveness, you give us every grace we need to say no to every temptation we face. Send us your Holy Spirit, who gives speech to the tongue and enables us to proclaim to the farthest corners of the world the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is the gospel of life. Give us the Holy Spirit, who enables us to make decisions based on your word and your will. Send us the Holy Spirit who will raise us from the dead and give us living hope that death does not have the last word in the human story. We pray today as we pray all things through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Okay, friends, as we go forward here, share the video, invite others to join us so that our online audience grows even more. Thank you for doing that. Let's read from this letter of St. Paul to the Romans. Brothers and sisters, you are not in the flesh. On the contrary, you are in the Spirit. If only the Spirit of God dwells in you. Whoever does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. If the Spirit of the one who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, then the one who raised Christ from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies also through His Spirit that dwells in you. Consequently, brothers and sisters, we are not debtors to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. The Word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. 
The reading from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 11. At that time, Jesus exclaimed, I give you praise, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth. For although you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned, you have revealed them to little ones. Yes, Father, such has been your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father. And no one knows the Father except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son wishes to reveal Him. Come to me, all you who labor and are burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. You will find rest for yourselves, for my yoke is easy and my burden light. We thank the Lord for His Word and for His Gospel. What is rest in the Scriptures? What is eternal rest when we pray for someone who has died and we say, give them eternal rest? It's not simply rest in the sense that we think of resting when we're tired. It means you've achieved the purpose for which you exist. And this is why when we think about those who have passed on to the next life. It's a process of perfection. We pray that they might be purified in any way that they did not get purified on earth to be more conformed to the will of God because the book of Revelation tells us nothing impure can enter into heaven, but we believe God purifies us. And so eternal rest means you are eternally fulfilled. You have eternally achieved the purpose for which God created you to know Him, to love Him, to serve Him, to be with Him forever in heaven. And so when Jesus here says, you will find rest if you take my yoke, my burden upon you. In other words, submit to my teachings, my commandments, receive my spirit, be incorporated into my body, be transformed into my image, live according to my law, and you will be exactly what I made you to be, which is like me. The law of God is simply a, 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 an indication of what happens when He transforms us by His Spirit. We become truthful. We respect life. We are just and fair and loving. We give ourselves away in love. Love sums up the law, Jesus said, not to take away its particular requirements, but to show us what love does. Love serves the needs of the other. Love doesn't burden the other with lies. Love doesn't take away the other's possessions. So it's a transformation by love into the likeness of God. That's why Jesus can say elsewhere, be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect. We're not talking about perfectionism. We're not talking about uh, 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 some kind of, of uh, uh, imagination that in this life we can avoid any kind of imperfection. What he's saying is exactly what I just said, that little by little, day by day, we are being transformed into... The likeness of God, which we see in, in Christ, and that will be made complete in heaven. That's why the life of virtue is easier than the life of sin. It's hard. But the fact is the life of sin is harder. And this is one of the things Jesus is conveying in this reading. 
learn from me, take my yoke, in other words, all his demands, his high teachings, his new way of life, his do's and don'ts, if you will, take my yoke upon you, accept it, don't be afraid of it. This is what St. John Paul II meant constantly by saying, be not afraid. In other words, be not afraid to take the yoke of Christ upon you. Don't think he's going to crush your freedom or deprive you of your happiness. He's going to do just the opposite. He's going to make you fulfilled. Take my yoke upon you and you will find rest for your souls. The life of sin is actually harder than the life of virtue. Now, temptation makes us think it's easier. That's why I Temptation is always a lie. But the life of virtue is easier because we were made according to it. And we're talking about this transformation more and more into the image of God. Well, how were we made? He made us according to His image. He made us according to His Word. So we're built to receive the yoke of Christ. We look at His teachings. We look at His demands. We're not looking at them as something foreign to us. We're looking at them as the blueprint according to which we were made. You think it's hard to obey the commandments? You think it's impossible to live up to the teachings? You were made to do so. They fit. The commandments of God fit into our human nature. We have shoulders exactly built for the positioning of the yoke of Christ. So take my yoke upon your shoulders you will find rest for yourselves. Now, he says, furthermore, I am meek and humble of heart. Yeah, but wait a minute. He's God. Meek and humble of heart. Meek in the face of whom? And here, we need to remember what's different between the Father and the Son. They have the same power, the same knowledge, the same deity. What's different is the relationship. It's Father and Son. Father gives himself to the Son. The Son is obedient to the Father. Jesus made this clear. He's the one sent by the Father. And he's obedient to him even unto death. He prays in the garden, Father, if it's possible for this cup to pass me by, let it be so. But your will be done, not mine. Of course, he's talking about his his human will. Well, there's the meekness and humbleness of heart. I am the one sent by my Father, I do and say exactly as he tells me. He's giving that to us in his human nature as an example. Not only as an example, but he'll give us the power to be that way. My teaching is not my own, Jesus said. Stop and think about that for a moment. He also said the same thing about the Holy Spirit. He will not speak on his own, but tell you what he has received from me. So think about this for a moment. Meek and humble of heart. For us that means that if the Son of God Himself says, My teaching is not my own, if the Spirit Himself doesn't speak on His own, well then why should we? When we're talking about the faith, when we're talking about the Word of God, when we're talking about the moral law, Being meek and humble of heart means we realize we don't make it up for ourselves. We don't justify our own actions simply because they're our own. That's what the mentality of pro-choice is. You show these people a baby, they don't care. Oh, well, it's my choice. My, My choice. 
I am meek and humble of heart, Jesus says. We don't write our own moral code. We don't redefine what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong. Meek and humble of heart means, like Mary said when Gabriel said, you will be the mother of, of God, let it be done to me, fiat. That's meek and humble of heart. We're ready to let the word of God, the choice of God, change us rather than this arrogant attitude, and we see it all over the place, in the church and outside the church, of those who just want to, they want to just rewrite the word of God themselves. They just want to go ahead and write their own commandments. And here's the point. Go ahead and do it. You're going to be putting a yoke on yourself that you cannot bear. See, they think they're, being, they think they're expressing freedom there. Did you see the Satan conference that took place? Well, was it just a couple months ago? Satan Con 2023. And they say, oh, we're just expressing, you know, personal freedom. And they think they're going to be free. You're not free when you write your own moral code. You're taking a yoke upon yourself that is impossible to bear. This is what Jesus is saying. You were made according to the word of God. My yoke fits. Your shoulders were pre-made to carry it. Try to invent a yoke of your own. The burden of sin is going to crush you. People are afraid that, oh, if I accept Jesus, that's what's going to crush me. That's what's going to limit my freedom. That's what's going to make me sad. That's what's going to take away my rights. It's just the opposite. Take my yoke upon your shoulders. Learn from me. I am meek and humble of heart. Your souls will find rest, for my yoke is easy. My burden light. You know, the people who uh, were set free from slavery in Egypt, God's people of old, started journeying through the desert. Now, this was scary, going to a land God had promised them, but they didn't see it. And they had to make that journey with trust. Moses had to trust too, but he failed in that. And that's why he didn't get to enter the promised land himself. And that's, by the way, why the journey took 40 years. It wasn't that it was that far. It was that they didn't trust. My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take that as an example of life. A journey that would have only taken a couple of weeks took 40 years. They were wandering around in the desert. God allowed that to happen because they didn't trust Him. Trusting Him, trusting them, Trusting him for their food, he sent manna from heaven. Trusting him for their drink, he brought out water from the rock. They should have been convinced when he sent the plagues on Egypt and he opened up the Red Sea and they didn't even get their feet wet. That should have convinced them, hey, God can provide for us on this journey. But they weren't convinced. They fell into distrust, so easy for us to do. Where's our food? Where's our water? And God said, you, you, you can't trust me? And here was a, here was a moment we read in the, these accounts in the, in the book of Exodus. And uh, Deuteronomy tells us more, Leviticus, the, the uh, num book of Numbers, all those books there talking about what happened to the people. There came a point where they were so impatient with the desert journey, the desert food, the uncertainty of the whole thing, 
that they said, let's choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Now think about this for a moment. They were oppressed as slaves there. They didn't have their freedom. But they said, well, at least we had our work and we had our provisions and they gave us food. But they were oppressed so much they were crying out to God. When God chose Moses, he says, I have heard the cry of my people who are being oppressed. They, were, hey, they had the yoke of the Egyptians on them. And God wanted to give them his yoke instead. We are being oppressed, they cried out to God. God heard the cry, he sent Moses, and then he sent the plagues that scared the Egyptians so much that not only did they let the Israelites go, they chased them out. Now they're walking through the desert on their way to the promised land, and they lose trust. And they say, this yoke is too heavy. This journey is too much. Let's go back to Egypt. Now I want to show you, friends, that's a parallel to what happens to us in this earthly journey. In this earthly journey... We can get tired of the yoke of Christ and mistakenly think that the yoke of sin is easier. And we may be tempted to go back to Egypt. The life of the unbelievers is easier, we may be tempted to think. Some will tell us that. It's easier to write our own commandments. They'll tell us that. It's not. The life of sin is not easier. The burden of sin is harder than the yoke of Christ. But these, this, the folks in the dirt, desert journey give us the warning. They give us the example. They actually said, let's choose a leader and go back. Let's go back to Egypt. Paul's... Uh, Words to the Romans that we read today tie this together for us. You know, how is it that we carry this yoke of Christ? How is it that we make this journey without losing trust, without giving into that lie of a temptation that says, well, maybe if we give ourselves a break from following the commandments, it'll be things will be easier. He says very simply, it's the spirit of Christ living in you. If he dwells in you, you will keep the commandments. You will love. You will be able to observe the demands of God. You'll be able to carry the yoke of Christ. Your heart will be transformed. In fact, that spirit will write the law on your heart and make you run in the way of the commands. It's not, you know, living the commandments should not feel like we're being dragged along. Is that what it feels like to you sometimes? Oh, we're being dragged along. I really don't want to go in that direction, but I, I, I don't want to go to hell either, so I'll be getting dragged along. with the... That's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be living in the Spirit of Christ. And, 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 and this is where Paul, is, is, his message here is so important. You are in the Spirit if the Spirit of God dwells in you. Well, that's what he wants to do. That's where he wants to dwell. That's where he wants to dwell. I see a question that ties in with this. Thank you, Dennis. From Africa, 
According to what we see, it's like the whole Western world is being slowly taken up by the LGBTQ movements and Satanists. We see the entire Catholic Church, especially in the USA, uh, uh, going this way and, and our uh, believers are losing faith. Yeah, and we were warned about this in the scriptures, that there would come a time when many, even most, would fall away. And that includes people in leadership, spiritual leadership, that they would fall away. Certainly includes those in political leadership, even if they claim to be believers. Be disturbed by this, as you obviously are. It is good to be disturbed by this. There's no need to be discouraged by it. And don't be surprised by it either. There is a vast turning away. There is a tremendous amount of compromise. There are many believers losing faith. And what are they doing? They're doing exactly what we're reflecting on in these readings. They're getting tired of the yoke of Christ. And they're saying, let's go back to Egypt. Maybe the way of, of uh, you know, writing our own commands is, 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 in fact, uh, is, in fact, easier. It's not. John has a question, uh, Father, do you think we in the present time are just repeating the different stories in the Bible because of our current situation? Uh, if you mean uh, uh, history is repeating itself, uh, yes. It, it, well, and, and, and that, of course, you know, when the Holy Spirit inspired these writers uh, to um, write all these words that we read every time we, we, we have the readings, he already saw what was happening today, right? So when God intervened in history, God being He's in eternity, He had everything in view, what's happening right now and what we would need to hear today, uh, at the very time that He was inspiring them to write or at the very time that those events were happening. So when we're entering into the Scriptures, when we're entering into these stories, we're not just entering into the past. When we're encountering these stories, we're entering into above. We're entering into eternity with a lesson that spans all time. And therefore, yes, we are literally reliving. We are reliving the, the dynamics, the spiritual dynamics contained in these passages. And that's why the proclamation of the scriptures is always so, so um, central to our spiritual life every day. So let's turn back to the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you today uh, really aware that we need to recommit ourselves to taking upon ourselves the yoke of Christ, to welcoming within our souls and our bodies the Spirit of Christ, so that we will not give in to the deeds of the flesh. This, of course, Lord, doesn't mean that physical things are wrong or that the body is evil. It means the sinful tendencies. It means evil, temptation, the lie that something evil is something good. Those are the works of the flesh. And Lord, we pray that we might never ever give any credence to the thought that it is easier to live a life of vice than a virtue. Lord, we know that one of the things this way of thinking leads to is unrestrained abortion in our midst because people really think their life will be easier if they choose to kill their baby rather than raise their baby. They think it will be easier. Take my yoke upon your shoulders and learn from me, for I am meek and humble of heart. Your souls will find rest, for my yoke is easy 
My burden is light. The command to respect life is an easier burden than the act of abortion. Taking upon ourselves the yoke of caring for that life is, is indeed easier than living with the pain and regret of abortion and the devastation that it takes upon our minds and our bodies and our relationships and our confidence and our self-esteem and our faith. Take my yoke upon you that says yes to life and yes to the, the burden of welcoming life. Of course it's a burden. It's a joyful burden that will lift us up, not cast us down. Help us understand this, Lord. We pray for all those who are tempted to abort. May they have the courage to choose life. We pray for all those who have aborted. May they have the courage to embrace repentance. We pray for all those who are advocating for the defense of life. May they never lose their voice. We pray for President Trump who continues to advocate for the defense of life and for all pro-life public officials, may they stay strong in this commitment. We thank you, Lord, for all the people you put in our lives, and we pray for them all. We pray for those who are facing health challenges, that they might find healing. For those who have financial difficulties, that they may find help. For those who are faced with difficult decisions, that they may have wisdom and discernment and the benefit of wise counsel from others. We pray for the preachers of the Word. Lord, forgive those who are distorting the faith today. Lord God, give us preachers who are courageous and clear, consistent, and faithful to their duty to give us the whole Word of God, not just part of it or the politically correct part. And Lord, bless all those who have died that they may be purified and share the full glory of life eternal. We pray now together in the words that Jesus taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. We pray to our Heavenly Mother, Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Well, God bless you, friends. Uh, looking forward to a great week with you this week. A lot of good broadcasts coming up, both in the morning and in the afternoon and at night. I'll be um, bringing you uh, live programming on Wednesday night and a lot of good uh, recorded programming between now and then. So stay tuned to us, uh, all our social media platforms at FR Frank Pavone. Please spread the word. Make sure you're also following and liking and subscribing and all the good things that you can do there that help the channels to grow. And also help our ministry to grow. May I ask you uh, to go to ProLifeGift.org. ProLifeGift.org. Give us a little donation so that we can continue this work. 
God bless you. Have a marvelous weekend, a marvelous day in the Lord, and we will talk to you tomorrow. This is Dr. Teresa Burke, founder of Rachel's Vineyard and pastoral associate of Priest for Life. So many people need healing from the wounds of abortion, but don't know where to turn. They live in pain and shame and despair. You can bring hope to their lives by letting them know that there are people ready to help them find forgiveness and healing. By going to abortionforgiveness.com, you can find the healing ministries closest to where you live simply by entering your zip code. You'll find our Rachel's Vineyard retreats there, as well as other good programs. This is a great tool to help with your pro-life groups, schools, and churches. Go to abortionforgiveness.com today, and please help us spread the word. Priests for Life is an extraordinarily fine group, uh, and I, I don't say that in order to um, make anybody feel better or flatter anyone. Uh, it's, an, it's an unusual and a very unique group in that most of the priests whom I have encountered across this country and indeed around the world uh, shy away from the subject of abortion. They somehow want to keep it under the rug and only pull it out when they're ordered to. Uh, in my own experience as a Catholic convert for the last several years, um, I've attended a great many masses and listened to a great many homilies, and I think, believe in three years I've listened only to one homily on the subject of abortion, and that was here in St. Patrick's Cathedral. Other than that, priests seem not to want to talk about it. And Priests for Life is the Paul Revere of this whole gestalt that priests for life are riding around trying to galvanize the rest of the clergy into getting engaged in what is one of the most appalling revolutions of the 20th century. And I am uh, enormously grateful to them and admire their work enormously, but unfortunately I believe that there are not enough, that priests for life should, be, should have a staff 20 times what it has now. This has been the End Abortion Podcast. To learn more, to help end abortion, and to connect with us on social media, visit endabortion.net.